Sometimes I need to schedule time to do my scheduling if I can fit it into my schedule. Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about dabbling in self-improvement 30 days at a time. On today's episode, we are going to discuss the strategy of scheduling to help create and stick with a new habit. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and with me is my much more disciplined friend, Jenny. We are also going to explore something called the disease to please. That's me, Jenny Kouse, a marketing professional from St. Thomas, Ontario. I'm a small town gal and a big believer in the power of habits. I'm going to do my best to whip our guinea peg into shape and hold her accountable to habit changes that she will undertake one month at a time. I'll be playing along too. And as we take on a new habit each month, we hope to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall your own best self. Let's check in with our monthly challenge. This month's challenge revolves around mindfulness and meditation, and we are challenging each other and you to commit to meditating for 10 minutes a day using a meditation app. So what are your thoughts two weeks in now to daily meditation, Peg? I've definitely uh, nailed down a better routine. Good. That waking up uh, and uh, going through the routine, which I'll discuss later in this episode, has been really helpful. I feel like I'm looking forward to the meditation every day. Mm-hmm. Last week, I was talking about that part of my brain that was going crazy while I was meditating. Yes. And it's sort of simmered down. I feel like I'm, I'm actually getting some moments where I remember that feeling that I used to get regularly when I was meditating. Yes. It, it's, it's showing up. So I just got to stick with it. And hopefully those moments will be more, more so than less so. Good on you. So I'm feeling good about it. How good. about you? Yeah, it's going really well. I'm still on my streak. Yay. I think... I think last night was day 18 I'm on. So that's great. That's fantastic. So I broke my all-time, you know, using one app streak of uh, 15 days. So I broke that. So I feel really good about that. And I think now that I have that good of a streak going, like, oh, the thought of breaking it would be so irritating. Um, So it's going really well. I'm still not doing it at the time of day. I want to do it in the morning, but my morning... um, just, it hasn't been happening. I've been doing it in the evening before bed, but as I mentioned last time, it's been pairing nicely with the reading after. Um, and it's something that we're both doing, um, both Jeff and I, I'll put the meditation app on, we'll listen to that. Um, and then I read afterward. So that's, that's going well. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, I am noticing I've kind of like, I don't almost call it like meditation fatigue, like I was doing really good, loving it, loving it. And then I want to say around like the 13 day mark, I was like, uh, I knew I could really feel my mind wandering more and kind of, I think as I got more comfortable into it, it started to get to be more challenging. And actually the book we're going to be talking about, he talks about that too on a meditation retreat he went to. And I kind of read that at a time when I needed to hear it where it's like, yeah, it can be challenging. So I think overall though, I mean, really in terms of the challenge committed to it, 10 minutes a day, it's happening. So awesome. Yeah, it's going well. Uh, the one other thing I'll add is in terms of timing. So when I have my routine in the morning, it works really well. There's yeah, you've a couple got of, a great routine for so that. So there's a couple of days though where I didn't have that routine and I ended up doing it right before bed. And I actually had a moment where, where one night I hadn't done it yet. And I looked at my clock because if it's after midnight, yes. then it doesn't count towards the yes. streak. So I've, at least it's on my, my brain enough to be like, oh, I got, this has to happen before midnight. So that's why the morning routine seems to work better. I had a late light, late night last night. And I had that like panic of like, 
oh my gosh, I'm going to miss the opportunity. And I thought it was, I'm not the best at reading non-digital clocks. Okay. Let's just going to be honest. Um, and You're the one, a human. It's okay. <laughs> I'm a human. It's 2018. It's not easy. Um, well, like this clock, there's no numbers on it. And I thought it was midnight and I was freaking oh, out. No. But it was 11. So I was fine. Anyhow, you'd be like hacking into your phone and changing oh the time gosh. zone to try and go back in but time. I found you can go back and what? you can enter them in the calm app. At least you can go back and enter a meditation because it allows for if you're doing a meditation in another app oh. or in another way, you can still go and enter it on your. So that would have worked well for you mm-hmm. in previous times when you had broken your streak, even yes. though you didn't really break your streak. Yes. Yep. Okay. Good to know. All right, let's talk about Habits Corner. We haven't talked about this one in a while. In this segment, we will take a look at some relevant research, an interesting article, or just jam about our own experiences as we work on forming new habits. Today, we want to discuss the strategy of scheduling. If it's on the calendar, it happens. In our online pretend best friend, Gretchen Rubin's book, Better Than Before, she, of course, does a great job of outlining this familiar and powerful strategy of habit formation. Scheduling makes us far more likely to convert an activity into a habit. For most of us, putting an activity on the schedule tends to lock us into doing it. It forces us to confront the natural limits of the day because scheduling requires choices. If you've scheduled something at a particular time, you are unavailable to do anything else there and it's more likely to get done. There are only so many minutes in each day and many people have a tendency to be what I call time optimists. And I tend to be this a little bit. So what that means is they think they have more time than they (laughs) actually have to do. And and so I put a whole bunch of things in a space and think, oh yeah, I'm going to get all of these things done. And of course, I don't have time for all of those things. So what happens is you tend to say yes to a whole bunch of stuff, whether that's actually saying yes to another person or a commitment or a bunch of things on a to-do list. And then you don't get to them all. And What'll happen in those situations is that the new habit is the thing that's most likely to get pushed off the list. Yeah. So making sure that you're scheduling, that strategy of scheduling, it'll allow you to more easily say no, which can be super important for many people. And we're going to talk about this a little mm-hmm. bit in our Who Are You Anyway segment, uh, the whole challenges with saying no. Yeah, that's great. Gretchen actually describes how she used the strategy of scheduling in the book better than before to start the new habit of meditating. She says that when scheduling a new habit, it helps to tie to an existing habit, such as after breakfast or to an external cue, like when my alarm rings, you can use the reminders in the calm or headspace app that they'll send to you without these triggers. It's easy to forget to do the new action. She put meditate into her schedule right after waking up and getting dressed. Um, I think that So for me, scheduling right now, I'm putting it in at the end of the day, like, and I'm not physically putting it on my calendar, but I know that that is happening around 10 PM most nights when I go to bed. Um, so for me, that works out well because it's, it's tied to a time. So that's working out well. It's also time tied to an action, like going to yes. bed, right? Yes. And, but in your household, the lights go off at 10 o'clock. Oh my so gosh, Peg. it's definitely tied to that I'm telling well. you. It's a tight ship around here. Apparently. Oh gosh. And here comes the enforcer. I think he heard us. <laughs> uh, so do you think that for some people actually writing it in their calendar or in the calendar in their device would make it more likely to happen? Yeah. So you don't write it down actually, but you know that that's what, when it's going to happen. You're yes. committed to the challenge. You're also 
an upholder with the tendency that we've talked yes. about before. For other people, maybe it, they actually do have to write it down in their schedule. Yes. I I know for me, for some of the more challenging habits, like exercise, that's when I used to actually put it on my calendar. And then have the yeah. satisfaction afterwards of crossing it off? Yes. Well, I mean, checking it, was, that box. it was a digital calendar, so I didn't really... It was just like, yes, did it. <laughs> did it. <laughs> cool. I'm not a paper calendar lady. Yeah. So I'm a paper calendar lady. I know you are. Oh, that's a whole other thing. We can talk about that in a whole other episode. We're dorks. <laughs> We're dorks. I love it. Um, I wanted to just reiterate my morning routine. So it's not written on the schedule, but my morning routine is I wake up, I make my bed, I go in the bathroom, I brush my teeth, I go into the kitchen, I feed the cat, I press go on the coffee maker, then sit down on the couch and... That's when I do my meditation for 10 minutes while the coffee is brewing. I'm jealous of your routine you've got there. That's a good one. It works out well, but I also don't have the sort of unknown factor of a five-year-old child too. Sometimes they don't always cooperate with your... I didn't want to throw him under the bus here, but that is my, <laughs> that is my challenge is... Sure. Um, if you do want to get up early and meditate and if you want to leave your room, like he sleeps like a log all night. Like I can walk in his room. I can put away laundry. I can turn on the lights. I can do anything. But in the morning, if I walk by and I put my foot if on the wrong... Blink, blink loudly. Oh, he knows. Mom, can you print me a coloring sheet? Like it's immediate. So, yeah. So what one of the things we mentioned in terms of me sitting on the couch and listening to the Headspace app is that as I'm going back through the basics of the meditation in the Headspace app, one of the things that Andy Puttacombe says is, okay, now listen to the sounds around you. Yes. And so the coffee maker is brewing and, you know, sometimes the cat meows at me or whatever. Like I've got mm-hmm. these sounds that are familiar associated with the meditation now too. So it's, it's cool. It's like a good routine. Yeah. Cause you're not trying to block out those sounds. You're no. embracing them as like the ambient noise around you. You're noticing them more, which is important yeah. and really kind of feeling more connected to what's happening around you. I think that's cool. One of the things, or one of the ways that Andy Puttacombe describes it, and this is in the, one of those um, animations in the basics of meditation, is that he talks about your, your mind being like a blue sky. And mm-hmm. then if you have thoughts or there's outside stimulus like sounds or s- smells or whatever, he said, just picture those thoughts and sounds and smells, kind of like white clouds just floating by. Mm -hmm. You're just taking notice of them, but you're not doing anything about it. You're not trying to change them. You're not trying to stop them, just noticing. And that visual is helpful for me. I think people that have visual, that operate in a way that's more visual would appreciate that piece. Yeah, that completely makes sense to me. Also, just a reminder, as we're talking about this, this is a reminder that next week is the week that we're going to be discussing our book for the month. And that is 10% Happier by Dan Harris. We were talking about that a little bit earlier when I was saying that I was reading after doing my meditation. That's the book that we are reading right now. And I'm about, I want to say half a chapter until I'm done. I'm getting close. Awesome. Because I've been reading a chapter a night. You've paired it nicely. Yeah. I'm going to have to do that. And I really like the book. It's really good. I'm going to have to do a sprinter thing in this last week and just get that done. That's how I I feel like this is interesting because all of these traits come out, right? When we're talking about this, where it's like, okay, here's my plan. I'm going to read a chapter a night. And I will ignore it until there's only a few days left and then I'll get after it and then we'll discuss. Yes. So marathoner, sprinter. We're a good team. We're a good team. Yes, we are. Uh, The other book that we have been taking some excerpts out of is uh, How to Train a Wild Elephant and Other Adventures in Mindfulness by Jan Chosen Bays. So last week, the 
exercise was about using your non-dominant hand. So Jenny, did you do it? And what did you find with this experience? I found that I'm a surprisingly aggressive teeth brusher. <laughs> and we were challenging to brush with your opposite hand. You, we jokingly talked about it, like that I was saying like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to jab myself with my toothbrush because I won't have the same kind of dexterity. And you had made a joke about like, okay, gear down on your teeth brushing. And I said, how will I get my gums receding without it? Um, but I, I did notice it's so different. And I, we talked about this last week too. It gave me such a new sympathy for those who do not have good control over their hands sure. you know, for whatever reason, whether they're a child, whether there's someone with some sort of issue. Um, it really makes you realize how used to doing things you get. And I didn't realize how much of a pattern I had with the way I brush my teeth because it's all backwards when you're doing it with your other hand. So it was interesting. I, I did try doing things like even reaching in the cupboard for a glass, tried doing, you know, it, it just, it does, it feels completely different. It creates a lot of novelty. Definitely. I, um, did the teeth brushing and it never really got easier. So I think it yeah. takes longer than a week to get good at it. But I also brushed my hair with my left hand and it felt so weird. That would it was feel weird. weird. It was, but, and I just, the whole time, all I wanted to do was switch to the other hand. Yeah. It was such a, like a drive to be like, this is wrong. I need to switch. And I would come back to my beginner's mind and keep brushing with my yeah. left hand. Huh. So we would love to hear from you listeners if you gave this a try and uh, what, what your experience was. Please send us an email at theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com or find us on the socials. Jenny's at Jake House on Twitter and I'm at Dr. Peggy Malone on Instagram. All right, this week's mindfulness exercise that's also from that same book is when eating, just eat. So this week, whenever possible, so maybe not at a dinner party, <laughs> when you are eating or drinking, don't do anything else. So no conversation, no TV in the background, no music in the background. Just sit down and take the time to enjoy what you're taking in. Open all senses as you eat or drink. Look at the colors, shapes, surface textures. Attend to the smells and flavors in your mouth. Listen to the sounds of eating and drinking. So you can remind yourself by putting a post-it note on the table where you eat, um, and it'll just say, just eat. Or you can put a post-it note on objects that tend to distract you while you eat. For example, your computer or your TV or your phone. Uh, you can put the word eating with an X through it on a post-it note. So eating has become a, a part of our modern habit of perpetually multitasking. When we do this exercise, we will discover how many other things we do while eating. We also do a lot of talking while eating. So this exercise will <laughs> help to remind you to alternate eating and talking. If you want to talk, stop eating. Don't do them at the same time. I had this conversation tonight at the dinner table because my son like never stops talking ever, <laughs> ever, ever. And so inevitably he like somewhat chokes on his food because he's eating, but he also cannot stop talking. And I was like, you have to stop talking while you're eating, like wait and swallow your food and then talk. And he's like coughing and saying at the same time, but I can't, like, he's oh, just got so much to say. I have so much to say, mom. Oh uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's going to be an interesting yeah. one for our family. I found it interesting that, uh, one of the things it said was that eating is not seen as something that is productive or gets things done or something you can check off the to-do list. So it's not really worth anything in a product productive society. So that's why we have to multitask by eating 
while we're on our That's phone or on a computer or listening to music or driving our car or walking yeah. down the street. So I think this will be an interesting one because I'm 100% guilty of this. Yeah. John and I have the TV on half the time when we're watching oh. or when we're, when we're eating. Or, uh, you know, there's always talking, definitely, probably oh, yeah. through eating. Yeah. Uh, distracted by a million things. I have food with me in front of my computer when I'm working. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to see how, how I do with this this week. Cool. And now it's time for a segment we call Who Are You Anyway, where we encourage you to reflect on a question or a concept to know yourself a bit better, which will hopefully be a good aid as you take on new habits. Today's Who Are You Anyway question goes well with our discussion about scheduling. Do you suffer from the disease to please? Or said another way, are you good at setting boundaries and saying no? Or do you always say yes, even when you shouldn't? What do you think? So I guess my answer to this is I find it pretty easy to set boundaries and say no, unless I really want to do something. And the way I know that is because it matches up with my goals and my values and it fits into my schedule, but that's been an evolution to get there. So as I've gotten older, that's where I'm at. I, in years past, wrote a blog post on my website and it's entitled, do you suffer from the disease to please, which I'll link to in the show notes. And you can find those at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. And I'll just give you a a heads up about, at least in my mind, what is the disease to please? It's characterized by always overcommitting, never being able to say no, running around like a headless chicken, taking care of everyone else's needs before your own, not feeling worthy unless doing the work of three people working 12 to 14 hours every day. People with a disease to please, and let's be honest, it's mostly women, are driven not just to succeed, but to please others and make them happy. So many of us take care of everyone and everything else before we even consider taking time for ourselves. We consider it a selfish indulgence to do something special for ourselves. So my question to people is, does this sound familiar? And do you have the disease to please? Jenny? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Does this resonate? resonate? Yes, I, I would say completely. Um, and I, and it wasn't even about not being able to say no, it was offering before even asked. Like Uh, I would say like this, yeah, completely. Um, but I will say with age, it is shifting. Good. And I would say also with becoming a parent where I just do not have the same time resources that I had before, um, to, to do all of these things. So, I mean, yeah, like I, I completely resonate with this and it's something, that I definitely find myself working on. Um, but yeah, like when I read that, I was like, <laughs> I'd be like, yep. Yeah. There, done. Well, and I would say, especially from working with a lot of women in my practice, my mm-hmm. patients that come in, you can see a lot of them are bubbling over. Yeah. They sit down and if you say one word to them, they will start crying yes. because they just have too much and they 100% are suffering from what I call the disease to please. Yeah. So it, this whole business of using the strategy of scheduling yeah. can be helpful to start to get control of creating boundaries for yourself so that you're less likely yeah. to always say yes. And also to recognize that you're worthy as a person, even if you don't do anything yeah. in a day. Yes. And if that just means like taking care of yourself or taking a day off or whatever it is you need to do, then do that. So yes. I, this is an important one. And for women especially, mm-hmm. but I think that most human beings in 2018, when we're also hustle bustle crazy, can resonate with this. And I would say for me, um, you know, when I think about the part about overcommitting, I find 
because of my personality, I, it's less, I would say about wanting to please the person. And I just get genuinely really excited about things. And I want to do all the things, you know, I, I get excited. I hear about new things. I'm like, yes, I want to do that. Yes. I want to like, and it, and you have to come up against the fact that it's not going to all fit into a day the way you want. Like tonight, after we're done recording, I want, I've got a couple stools I want to repaint in the garage. I'd like to finish cutting out all the quilt squares for a quilt for my son's room. Am I going to do any of that tonight? No, but it's like in my mind, I want to do all the things and, you know, finish all these things I've started. But, you know, it, sometimes it's not saying it's not being a pleaser to other people. It's to yourself as right. well. It's not yeah. always an external source of that. It's to yourself as well. So... So in terms of, I guess, the way we can wrap this up, mm-hmm. when we bring back in that strategy of scheduling, yeah. if there are things that are important to you that you yes. know you want to commit to, then looking at your schedule, first of all, to see where you have time for them and then putting them in. So yeah. whether it's 30 minutes or an hour once a week, that might be what you need to put on your schedule. So, you know, today's the day I'm painting these stools and it's on my schedule. Yeah. Right. And hopefully that's helpful for people to kind of at least get the idea that your time is important and you can use it how you want to. You're the one who can create your own boundaries. You don't have to do, basically the the rules are these. It's your schedule, meaning other people shouldn't be in charge of your schedule. Yes. And that's okay. Yes. Now it is time for what are you digging lately? This segment is one that may or may not be related to our monthly theme. Peggy and I like to talk with each other about what podcasts we've been listening to and enjoying or what books we've been reading or what random internet hilarity we've found and we feel like you might find it fun too. So each week, each of us will share something fun that we've pulled from the zeitgeist that we are loving. We will find useful or practical or something that is just pure frivolity and fun. For me, this week, I'm digging the night sky. And what I mean by that is if you go to thenightsky.com, they have it's this cool thing where you can make a star map. So let me back up a little bit. Last week, I think it was last week, maybe it was two episodes ago when I was talking about my bedchamber. Yes. And how I had finished putting up prints and posters on the wall. One of the pictures that I put up was my night sky star map. And I had some questions about what is that? And so I thought I would let people know. So here's what it is. I got the idea from my sister who has one. And on this website, they allow you to take a day Uh, and a city and they also do the coordinates latitude and longitude and then they show you what did the stars look like on that day from that location and there's a picture of the stars so the one that I have in my room is uh, the night that John and I got married and it says the night we said I do and it says where we were and the coordinates and the date and I just thought it was like this special little thing that was kind of unique and in my mind I thought to myself well they're just making this up maybe the stars don't actually look like that it would be neat to talk to somebody that would actually know but I really like it and I think it's a special little uh, thing that's hard to not everybody would have it and obviously it's very unique to us because it's custom made for us yeah that's very cool so uh, I'll post a picture of it in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast and I'll also post it on Instagram if people want to check it out I'm digging also night sky. Okay. But it's an app and we spent the weekend using this every single night. So Um, what is it? Is it something similar? uh, It is. um, By the way, I love that it's a theme again. Yes. Well, (laughs) you cheated. You you saw mine. And it made me think, cause I thought, yeah, at first I thought you meant the same thing and I thought, no way, same, same, but it's this, uh, and I'm showing 
I'm showing Peg the app right now, but it's called Night Sky. Um, I've downloaded it for iOS, but I'm sure it's available on um, Android. Yeah. Android. Um, but so it's augmented reality. So you, it is an app. You uh, presumably go outside and you hold it up to the sky and wherever you move the phone, it will look in the sky and tell you what you're looking at. So I am able to, so, okay. So right here, when we're sitting in my office, right above my neighbor's house, we should, well, it might not be clear enough, but we should see the international space station is passing by cool. right now. The other thing that's really neat is Mars. So, and this is well, the Mars reason. Mars is really big right now. Yes. Yeah. Mars is very visible right now. And so every night on uh, this week, like this past weekend, we were going out and looking at Mars. And the first night we didn't think that's what we were really seeing. We thought, no way, that can't actually be it. It's got to be a plane because it was red. And we thought, no, there's no oh, way. Is that ever cool, so then we Jenny. went back the next night and then the next night. And yeah, sure as heck, it's, it's Mars. So, and we would watch it come up and we think we saw Saturn as well because so many of the planets are visible right now. Yeah. Well, so I've we heard were, this, that everything's really very visible right now. Yeah, it's amazing. And I mean, the, like the amount of satellites you can see, you can put it in different modes as well. So I'm just using the regular mode right now that is just kind of showing you what the sky looks like. Like you can go all around. And as you see uh, a constellation, a picture of it will come up and illustrate to, to show you. So say Pegasus, it'll actually show a horse and then so that'll fade away and just show you the stars. Why they've named it that. Yeah. So, and my son got a book from the library about Greek mythology. And so it's talking about a lot of these characters and then we happen to do this at the same time. So it's been kind of interesting for us. Um, but yeah, we slept out on our trampoline and we used this the whole time watching. Seeing oh, what that stars. cool. That's really yeah, neat. I got to download uh, it. I got to try it out. It's definitely a huge novelty and you can put it in a mode that really does augmented reality. Like, true to form where you're actually looking through your phone, looking at your, looking up at the sky and then it is labeling the things you're looking at. It is, it is the coolest. That and it'll is give you, cool. So you can click on the different things you're looking at and it'll tell you data about whatever it is you see. And interesting, you can go, you can change in time. So right. You can look at that or you can like the present date or you can go to another date and it will tell you what the sky looked like on that date. So you could check the one, Oh, and see if it matches my night sky. Oh, that's amazing. Can I just say to listeners that when I'm watching Jenny's face as she's telling me this, she is so excited. I'm turnt over this. (laughs) I really am. It's, I thought it was a cool experience too with Ethan to be able to to do this. Oh, what Um, a great way to introduce that subject matter to your kid. Well, and it's cool because he's fascinated because it's new to him, but we're fascinated because we're learning about it in a new way. Awesome. Because we have this new technology to do this. So very cool. I Just love it. Amazes me. Uh, now it's time for you win or you learn. Each week, Jenny and I will trade off during this segment to let you know where we did something right and there is cause to celebrate or where something perhaps went off the rails and allowed for a learning opportunity. These can can be related to our journey as we take on new habits, or they may just be celebrations and bumps in the road in our everyday lives. And my win this week is based on recharging. So John was away all week with some friends at the races. He went to the NASCAR. It's exciting for him. As one does. As one does. And uh, I had a bunch of time to myself. And it might seem weird for some people to hear me say this because I have such an ebullient personality. They're so large and big. Not really. (laughs) But I'm actually an introvert. So one of the definitions of extrovert versus introvert is that extroverts charge up when they're around lots of people and introverts need alone time to recharge. And that's definitely me. I need a lot of time by myself. 
And so when John was away, I was super happy to put away my usual chores and life and situation and just park myself in front of the TV and binge on Netflix and watch the CrossFit games, which were on the internet all weekend and hang out in the backyard and just indulge in some me time. And it was super awesome. And I feel fantastic as a result. Good for you. That's awesome. It's a win. That is a big win. So I had to learn. Um, and it was a learn in terms of a, I wouldn't say something that maybe went wrong, but it was a, I had a learning moment. We went stand up paddle boarding on the weekend and we went Sunday morning and it was rough. The water was not flat. That's how you picture stand up paddleboard, sure, right? Yeah. Like nice flat water, paddle along, very relaxing. It was not like that. It was, um, there were waves. Um, it was choppy. We were doing it anyway. So we went out with a group, um, and we were learning how to stand up paddleboard, something I've wanted to do for a while. We were so happy to finally do it. And, um, it was tricky and the instructor was there and he was telling us, um, techniques of what we needed to do in order to not ideally fall off the board too much and how to get our balance. Um, and so it was interesting. So one of the things that I found interesting was, um, as you're standing on the board, much like when we tried, we went skiing earlier in the year and much like you always say to me is to not lock my knees, to have a little bit of a bend in my knees. So the bend in your knees when you're on the paddleboard allows you to absorb sure, the yeah. shock of the board. And I think that's an interesting thing. It's bend so you don't break, right? Is cool. keep that flexibility. So what an interesting little life lesson. And I realized as I was out on the paddleboard, I was like, this seems like a fun recreational thing, but there are some interesting life lessons happening with you out on the water. You're out there, there's nothing around, you know, except for the other paddleboarders. And it's a really interesting experience with nature, especially if you're in an environment where it's choppy water. So the other thing that he said, as these waves are coming and, you know, you're on your board and you're feeling the waves coming and the board's going up and over them. And he said, he kind of paddled over to me and he said, cause he could see me paddling, you know, and trying to kind of navigate these waves. And he said, as that wave is coming to you, paddle into the wave. So when you're getting that kind of nervous, like, Oh, here it comes. As you see that wave coming, paddle into it. That's when you get your paddle down and you paddle. And when you get up to the top of the wave, that's when you stop and you ride the wave down. And I thought my brain was going to explode. And I said to him, like, I looked at him and I said, like, that's some deep life stuff right there, hey? <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, yeah. Like, and he fully, and I thought I was really getting something. And he was like, yeah, like there's more to this than just paddling. And I thought, what an interesting thing that here I come for paddleboarding, but I'm getting these life lessons. Like when things get hard, that is when you double down. And yeah. we talked about this with habits that, cause you know, I said, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. And I was saying, you know, thing, my schedule was out of whack and I was finding I was getting kind of out of sync with my habits. And I realized, dang, like this is when I need to double down on them. This is when I need that quote, invisible architecture more than ever. So I thought it was so interesting. And I actually have on a little post-it note on my desk now that, you know, when it, it says something like, yeah, it's a paddle into the wave. So when you see something hard, that's not the time to ski daddle, that is a time to paddle at that wave and go toward it. So I thought that was an interesting thing and like a cool life lesson. And I thought, how funny that we're out here on a Sunday morning getting schooled. So that was my learn this week is I, I learned more from paddleboarding 
Or maybe I had more reaffirmed to me from paddleboarding than I thought I would. I like it. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Next week. Now we are into our third week of meditating and we are working hard to keep up our habit of meditating for 10 minutes each day. This coming week, we will also work on the mindfulness exercise of when eating, just eat. Also, next week is our book report. Make sure to finish up reading or listening to 10% Happier by Dan Harris, and we will discuss. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Remember to let us know how you use scheduling to keep up with your habits and let us know if you are suffering from the disease to please. Email us or send us a voice memo at theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. You'll find all of the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't already. It really helps other people to find the podcast so that we can help as many people as possible to create new habits. We would love to connect on the socials. You can always get our attention on the socials by using the hashtag The Improvement Project. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Now go get to work on improving the most important project that you have. That's you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay focused and get after it. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, see, as soon as I put on narration vocal, it's like I have a broadcast voice. I even sound better in my own head. It's true.